Yeah, that's my big That fan. is a horse. What's yeah. his name? This is Marvin, Big Marv. So he's a he's a big hoot. Uh, 140 pounds. Just a uh, little calf, basically. A little high. yeah, like a little he, goat. Horse. Yeah, you could say he uh, gets so much he eats a day. Are you feeding him raw? Or are you feeding him? Uh, are you feeding him kibble? Dry food. Dry food. How much? Ten cups. Holy crap! A man eats five cups for breakfast, five cups for dinner. How fast is he going man, through one of those like giant bags? Forty pound bag probably take him two two and a half weeks. Oh crap! Just. My, uh, I had a Chihuahua. We got a, if you get a forty pound bag, that thing is lasting the whole year. I was gonna say that's a whole year. Yeah, that thing. Mine's the same thing, but no, mine's he's on the grocery bill. Yeah, he's on the grocery bill. So, but well, out in Minnesota, man, you have uh, you guys have a bunch of land and everything out there, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, you're doing yep, it right. I mean, it's uh, it's it's all right over here. I got some actually where I live. Um, back in 2019, I bought this house. Um. And I bought it actually in the same parent, same neighborhood as my parents. So I was like, well, that's pretty dang convenient. So I'm just going to buy that and then I can, I mean, be over there, kind of watch over them. I mean, obviously go over there for dinner quite often. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, shoot, it's it's a good step away. But of course, I'm, I'm, I'm a big family person. So, uh, I mean, as I get older, of course, family becomes even more important too. So it's just like, I have no problem being as close and also away from my parents. Hey, you're doing it right. You might as well just buy the whole neighborhood at this point. Hey, we're getting there. I'm looking at the house right next door and then maybe... Oh, you gonna, actually are. <laughs> they're going to be selling at some point. I was like, we can make a Bauman Boulevard at this point. Yeah, or something. a little town so, just in case you get the whole town on lock. Anything goes down in the world, you have the whole thing. <laughs> we'll make it a gay community at some point. We'll make it yeah. at that point. <laughs> like the Walking Dead, they have that, uh, it was Alexandria, you get like a wall up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Man, so you went to you went to school in Wisconsin for marketing, right? Yeah, I went to UWL Lacrosse, Wisconsin Lacrosse. I swear, I remember when because we, for those of you who don't know, I know Dame back from two thousand eighteen. Yeah, dude, eighteen. Yeah, and we were both no, marketing just majors. Nineteen. Nineteen. Just beginning of nineteen because it was February. I want to say yeah. we were just so. both little uh, marketing majors trying to figure it the fuck out. Everything. <laughs> figure out what we're gonna do. But, I remember yeah. at that time you were like, I'm quitting my job. I'm going, I just graduated. I'm going all in on marketing. And it's funny because we both were doing, um, we were both marketing majors, marketing guys in the trading industry. And then what ended up happening is you went balls deep in marketing and I went balls deep in trading. We just went Completely. complete opposite direction, but we have the same background. It's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was funny how uh, we really got started again, just working for, uh, foreign exchange trader himself and kind of blew up his platform for him. All of us did, I would say not yeah. himself, but, uh, we helped him become who he was. And, um, it was, I mean, it was a great learning experience. That was an amazing experience. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And, I mean, he definitely taught us trading to, and to travel extent. and to travel to like, so. we traveled. So we traveled to Las Vegas. I was, it was 2019. I must've been like 20 years old, 19 years old, still in college. You were 20, 22 at the time, maybe 21. Yeah. Yep, just graduated. We were just, we were just so. like, F it, we're going to Vegas. It was just weird three there days. Yeah, well, that was the crazy because you wanted to basically blow it up and didn't know how to do it. So I was like, all right, well, let's just market this thing. Let's get some yeah. tickets. And I mean, there's 
obviously successful because I sold it out within a month, basically. Yeah. And he's like, all right, well, cool. Let's put it on. Yeah. So yeah, incredible was, was origin story, honestly. Like I, I, I definitely want to tell it more in depth one day. It's just yeah, we'll insane where we came from. <laughs> so you went <laughs> off and you started um, loosening leads from there, right? Yeah. So at, uh, at that event, I met Justin and Justin and I, um, well, for those who don't know, Justin was building the backend side of things. He's building the website, kind of the, the um, email flows, making sure that everybody had their system within like course and all that jazz. Um, so he did that. I was the marketer. And so I was like, well, I do this. He does that. Why don't we just like team up? We can definitely do something bigger here. So, and we did so. And yeah, probably two weeks after the event, we let, you know, leaving the company and um, started our own recent leads. And I mean, kind of, really domino effects started from there honestly so it what was really your awesome. first step at that point you're like we're just gonna go and start because at that time this is like fresh like s it was the smma oh. era ty lopez like back then this it was is, the thing to do was this it, was, was most marketing you looked on youtube you're like you were looking for digital marketing and you smma that's yeah, what it was exactly SMA. it's like all right you can help people do this and you can charge x amount and you don't have to do anything else you can just basically it's just like drop service essentially what's kind of what it was at the time honestly yeah and i mean because you had a whitelist everybody and i mean that is the agency side of things technically but uh yeah it was sma i think i think iman gaji was kind of starting everything at that point he was really one of the first people i want to say that i maybe saw a video of and then there is a I think it was Ryan Homer, which I believe that both of us talked about yeah. actually in his group. I, I was, because I was, I was doing the social media marketing on the side because I was just in college. I'm like, yeah. I'm trading, but obviously you can't just be making money out of trading out of nowhere. It's yeah. hard. Right. And I was like trying to do marketing. So yeah, I was doing splitting that, my know? attention. And that was my mistake at the time of splitting my attention. Whereas I think you did it right. And you just went all in yeah. a partner on marketing. Yeah, it was great. Because again, I mean... Justin himself, he built all the back end, the websites, everything there. And I was the full on marketer. I knew how to sell people. I knew how to get people in. I knew how to basically break things down and show people, hey, there's a win-win scenario here of making money. I mean, you got to spend money to make money in your business. And it was, I mean, it was basically to the moon from there. <laughs> it yeah. was pretty awesome. So, so, how, so I mean, how did you secure your first client? Like what were you doing for them specifically? The first client... Um, it was crazy how we actually got the first clients. Um, for those who don't know, um, I started in Facebook ads was kind of my kind of first upcoming, but my first client, how we got them and acquired them was actually a $5 Craigslist ad. We put it out and it was, I think, I think this one may have been in Vegas or this one might've been in like Kansas city, something, something like just a big city is the thing is like, we went to the biggest cities on Craigslist and basically put five bucks out there and, I mean, you spent maybe 50 bucks for, I mean, really, I mean, it wasn't a lot at all. It was awesome. And yeah, like 10 cities. And basically we, we got a bunch of hits and the first one that we got uh, ended up being a very, very um, important person that I didn't expect it to be. Uh, her name was Marsha Reese. And she was actually the creator and founder of Sidewalk Chalk. You may have played with as a child. Yeah. So she uh, she had definitely had some experience in the econ world. Uh, she was looking to start a new company, and uh, we ended up helping her basically build a website, backend flow. I mean, get her on Amazon, everything, the whole works. And I'll tell you what, Marcos, 
the funniest part was, and again, like we talk in the SMA, like how you can charge for every little thing. We did Facebook ads, Google ads, email, <laughs> built their website, wow. uh, organic SMA as well. Everything for $3,000 a month. Holy crap. It so was, at the time, at, you had no idea that that was no, like not good. <laughs> but at that time, it was like, we hit a whole run, baby. <laughs> it was awesome. I mean, we, we sold a website tour and everything for like $5,000. Like, that was, again, that was a home run. Absolutely. Just starting out, and we're like, okay, well, we can just bundle all this together. Also, I forgot, SEO was also in that package, yeah. too. So we you did. were selling the website creation as like a one-time fee and then a retainer yeah. to run the entire marketing department for this, for this Everything company. Everything for $3,000. So that, yeah, Justin and I basically split that $1,500, 1500 We're like, oh, yeah. this is <laughs> full time. <laughs> Dang, this is not it. After uh, after a good month or two, we're like, wow, there's a lot more that we're doing here. And there's actually more we have to outsource and all that. And But it, w- it was very, very important to learn all of that too and kind of understand like what our workload is what we actually can do and also what we need to kind of give up and do give to someone else so um that being said it, it was a great success um and of course right now um at this point they they're huge they actually exited their company um they, they're in big box retailers all across the united states um had a very very big success and of course it was like a um health and wellness kind of products. And of course, over COVID, it blew up just massive, absolutely massive. And unfortunately, Justin and I weren't working there at the time. We only, when we first started working with her, it was basically a six month contract. That's all it was, just so you can kind of get her off her feet, see what we could do there. And then she was hiring everything in house. So what is it, what is sidewalk? So sidewalk chalk is you put it on the sidewalk and it's for workouts? Oh no, so sidewalk chalk, like, like chalk is like in think about like school, like elementary school, like on a chalkboard. Okay. Yeah. So like sidewalk chalk, so on cement. Oh. So on oh cement. okay, I'm getting it. So you're saying because of the lockdowns, they were getting chalk for their kids and stuff, and it was blown. No, up. no, no. This wasn't that product. That's oh, what she was. Okay, it makes we sense. We started a brand new brand gotcha. that was in the health and wellness space. With gotcha. Her. Okay. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's completely different. So. <laughs> But um, yeah, anyways, it blew up absolutely massive over COVID. Um, she ended up being basically bought out and brought into, it was like 10 or, 10 or 12 different big box retailers. She sent us an email. It's like, sometimes you, lightning does strike twice. It's like, oh, you lucky. <laughs> she's so lucky because she, I mean, she's very, very, she's in the space. She knows what she's doing. And um, it's, it's very, very important. She, she really taught me a lot of things too. And like her mentor, was Sam Walton, Walmart. Yeah. That, I mean, few people even can say that they know him. Talk about a and, small world, how that's your first yeah, client. My very first client. And like, I feel like it's a common thing too, because I had my buddy, my good friend George, uh, who founded Gym Pillars, which is another similar marketing agency. And he was saying his first client, he was like, I'll do your sales for free and I'll just get paid a percentage. And it seems like a common denominator for a lot of the marketing, the successful marketing people I know is their first one or two clients. It looks like they're just like eating shit for the experience. And then they, they take all of those lessons and use that to move forward. Exactly. It's like you learned exactly what you did. Also what you benefit from that experience, which you can again, kind of bottle up case study, case study, case study, case study, case study, Boom, you are set, baby, to hit the ground running with whatever niche or whatever specific like industry or service that you want to do. Because some people, 
they streamline on one service. Some people are full service agency. So really just depends on what you want. Yeah. And you use that case study going forward because I, I imagine sales are infinitely easier when you've already done it than when you're that new guy on the block. Like you have nothing yeah. to show to these people you know, to convince people, them. Most people think that like, or most, most people have that imposter syndrome right off the bat. And I mean, don't get me wrong. We did too, as we were selling here. It's like, we were nobody. <laughs> it's the thing. And so, I mean, once we got that, of course, the confidence kind of gets up there. You kind of like, all right, we kind of know our, a little bit more. Obviously there's obviously bigger people out there, but you got to actually have confidence to show people I can do it. I mean, we can do this for you. So, but yeah, we picked it up pretty quickly and those case studies and her testimonial and everything. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty crucial going forward. So that's incredible. So then, so Lucent leads for those who don't know, you exited Lucent leads, correct? Or it got acquired something. Of, yeah. Of that sort. So in May of last year in 2021, um, Lucent Leads was acquired by a company Life Brands D2C. They're out in Vegas. Um, they are the they are technically the agency that grew my pillow to from zero to what it is today. Um, it is the one of the largest uh, linear TV agencies out there. Um, and the funnest part is like they needed a digital marketing agency to really take over that space, and they had someone just wasn't really fitting their role and fitting their kind of space and their culture. And so they approached us and it was just a really, really interesting and fun opportunity because how it really came up was just, it was honestly random, completely random. We did not expect it. Like, uh, I'll be honest. I did not, I don't want to sell my company like immediately at all. Um, cause it was still early, honestly. I mean, two years, two years into the company, like that's pretty early to sell a company. You want to have a good standard, I mean, good like history of uh, tax returns and EBTD, EBTD, EBITDA. IDA, yeah, EBITDA. Yeah. Um, and you want to make sure that, of course, you have like a good standard of that. But of course, the smaller you're in running, the less you have of that. So yeah. um, it was tough because it's like, yeah, you're in a spot. But the opportunity cost of where I was and what this could do was outweighing everything. So yeah. that being said, it was just like, all right, let's do it. Let, so they offered you, so what you're saying is they offered you enough money to the point where you're like, I can't say no. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Like, that's, but it was also the thing is I didn't give up my entire company. Yes. Too. So I technically retained a good amount of my equity in my company too. So it's still kind of my baby. It's just rebranded to something else. So it was a so, cash for equity deal or, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I sold I sold 65% of my, of my company. So okay. it was a pretty solid deal where I just like, all right, you want to come in? That's fine. But I still retain this and yeah. uh, it, it stayed as is. And again, I've just basically partnered in on the company and um, yeah, it's, it's great. And now you're currently, as I obviously studied five minutes before this interview, you are the, uh, you're still the president of digital marketing out at, uh, was L2 BDC? Yep. 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 So that's life brands to see. Correct. So yeah, I'm the president out there currently at the time. And, uh, it's, it's been a journey. Definitely been a journey. That's amazing. And how does this, how does it work? So when you sell cash for equity, I'm talking from like the straight up venture capital noob, uh, perspective. So you sell your company cash for equity to a company that you are also going to go and be still be a part of it. How does that work? Like, just feel free to obviously not say what you can't say. You yeah, get paid because no, if they, I'm assuming if they're a bigger company, a conglomerate, and they have your company as just the digital marketing sector, 
Yep. You get it. I'm guessing maybe it's set up I'm as like your company. Oh, like it's a subsidiary. Exactly. So I mean, okay. there, so this company again is LifeBrand T to C, and I'm just a piece of the puzzle within this company, essentially. Yeah. So they are known, and who they are is they're the linear TV set of things. So advertisements us out there. I mean, the funny part is like people come to us for TV advertising, and like we can get them the best spots out there, and then. We'll talk to other people too. They're like, yep, yeah, well, we went to someone else and they're going to be buying through X person. Like, oh, well, they're going to buy through us, which is going to be even more expensive. So if you want to just like cut the deal, we can help you out. It's fine. Like, yeah. It's great because we've been in this space for, or this company's been in this space for a very, very long time. They've kind of dug their roots. Um, so it, it's really, really fun to be with them because we talk to awesome companies, really big companies. And again, they're the linear side of things, but me again i'm a subsidiary basically on the digital side of things and then there's also an amazon company so we are basically you could call like the whole top of funnel middle funnel and bottom of funnel full funnel agency growth partner in a way interesting so and so i don't know i know you said you guys focused um mainly on e-commerce products correct Correct. D to C. So, so, so yeah, what was what was the what was the thinking? Because the thing about social media marketing is you can do everything, or you could do a specific sector. Like um, as I had as I was saying before, George he does specifically growing gyms, which is obviously a service business, um, brick and mortar. You were specifically helping e-commerce comp- uh, companies with that had a product sell their product, right? Yeah, yeah. That was mainly what we were doing. Um, I mean, there's a couple companies that needed like leads because it's more higher ticket. So, I mean, there's like, um, there's one client that we were actually working with that was um, selling CPAP machines. Oh, wow. And uh, they were, I mean, those go for $2,000, $4,000. So, on Facebook, generally, I mean, you're going to need some warming up and also thinking about the clientele of people who need CPAP machines. I mean, they're not going to really pull their credit card and spend $2,000 on Facebook. Most people, I mean, they're, age. So, I mean, again, most of the time they're not going to, so they need to be talked to or they need to know what they're buying first. So we would get just generate leads for them, bring that into like their CRM. And I mean, it was stupid how much money we can make them because again, they just needed to get on a phone call with these people and they sell it because obviously it's a inquiry. They're obviously there for a reason. So, and I mean, yeah, $2,000, $4,000 per lead technically. I mean, it definitely adds up because we're getting over that over a thousand leads basically a month pretty easy guys so you guys are still focused using on uh, facebook as to this day yeah facebook is the bread and butter facebook then there's google i mean everything is changing don't get me wrong yeah. but facebook at the end of the day if you look at it they still have the most users um they still have the most traffic the most time um so yeah facebook is still the the grandmother everything baby yeah so i guess my mom now i have like a, a two-part question is do you guys ever talk about in meetings or anything um about using tiktok or shorts or influencer marketing do you guys consider that or is it just like we're gonna stick to our bread and butter which is facebook and i'm and also imagine instagram since it's facebook so we are um a full service so we actually do tiktok as well okay um out of everything you can think of on the paid side of things um, we've developed a team of, so yeah, your Facebook, Google, YouTube, TikTok, Snapchat, um, Pinterest, Bing. I mean, I'm not sure what else I'm leaving out right at the top, but I mean, LinkedIn as well. Um, email, SMS. Do you use influencers at, at all? 
Um, don't really have a, cre- uh, or, or, I don't want to say creative, but I want to say a influencer agency by any means. It's, it's kind of tough because you really need to pick and choose depending on the, also like the brand you're working with because it can really hit home or ruin the entire campaign depending on who you're working with. So, yeah, I guess it comes down to the creator too. Like if you pick the wrong creator and that creator goes through controversy, then it, it falls back on you, right? It's yeah. So it's a whole kind of different perspective you have to kind of look into before you can say, yep, you're the one. So it's a lot more research, which kind of is a pain. So yes, if you can have an influencer pool to work with, it's great, but not every influencer is good for the certain situation. Great. So I guess now a pivot, um, cause you're obviously more than just a marketing guy. Uh, can you tell me about Cashflow Crypto? What is, what is Cashflow Crypto slash what got you into the crypto and DeFi space? Because obviously we said earlier we got into trading around the same time and then you went off back into marketing and then now you're back into like, you're still interested in the crypto. Um, I see you have something called B Capital. Um, you know, tell me about that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, back in, I mean, before we even met too, obviously I was in crypto. Um, I wrote up the uh, good old 2017, 2018 uh, crash uh, myself. So that was fun. So seeing what's going on right now is uh, just like, uh, I don't want to say PTSD, but you know, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's seen something this movie seen. before. Oh, yeah, it's nothing new to me. So, um, but uh, yeah, I've, I've been very, very interested in crypto. Um, I mean, I bought my first Ethereum about 50 bucks um, and Bitcoin was under $110,000 for me technically. Um, so, cause I was skeptical at first too. Um, but I got in and, um, it's been fun. It's been really fun learning about, or I mean, from my journey and because back in the, again, like 2018, there is, uh, ICOs, which are something that's really not a big thing right now. Um, but the, like the, the transition of what goes on in crypto and what's new and about and what has happened in just this last two years too, which weren't a thing back in 2018 and up in the last coming years too. Um, things have changed just drastically. Um, and being on top of that is obviously something early doctors become or can become rich on. Uh, I don't want to say like become the quick rich, but like it's possible. It definitely is. And people have in crypto. And obviously that drives a lot of interest to a lot of people. So I obviously went into it. I was like, yeah, I can see what I can do here. I want to learn as much as I can about it. Um, and I did. I mean, I spent days, weeks, months learning about this stuff and how I can make money with it. And uh, I met some other people as well that are very interested in the space, you as well. Um, and really I learned even more and how, again, I can help other people too. And really with that being said, there's just a lot of people out there that don't even know how to get started. And with that, I was like, okay, well, why, why not start something? So a buddy of mine literally was just starting something and he's like, well, I am. Why don't we just like partner up on this? And uh, so my buddy and I, James Utsby, um, him and I started this cash flow clip crypto and, uh, basically, um, there's a whole kind of dialogue of how to get started, how to use MetaMask, how to buy, how to sell, where to use, um, certain DEXs, how to exchange on, uh, different DEXs, how to bridge coins, like the things that regular people, it's like, what are you even talking? There's about? people listening who are like, what's a DEX, like a, like a Pokédex. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> they don't know what they're saying. <laughs> it's like, I have such great information laid out. I have Loom videos, explanation step-by-step to show you how to do certain things. Because for those that don't know as well, it's very daunting swapping 
money on like DEXs and Very. something you've never used before. And the very first time of swapping $100, $1,000, yeah. even more than that, people are, it's, it's a tense situation because you don't yeah. feel like, is my money gone or yeah. what? what's happening here? Well, for people, so for people who don't know, just a DEX is a decentralized exchange, um, which is not a centralized exchange, which would be your Coinbase's, your CryptoComs, um, your Gemini's. And then a bridge is essentially how you get your coins from one blockchain to a different blockchain. Yep. And for it's swap. funny. You, yeah. For a swap. And it's funny you say that because I just made a $500 purchase like half an hour ago using uh, Coinbase Commerce. And it was just, well, I didn't even think about it. I was going so fast. Just copied the address, paste, sent, uh, you know, half an ETH. I didn't even think about it. But like for someone that's new to click a random extension on your computer and send you know, $500 through the block. You're just sending it into the void. Basically, you don't know what's going on. Like the average person doesn't, they don't want to do that. No, no, it's scary. It's very scary. And it's like, well, it's still being adopted by other companies. People are now taking crypto. I mean, and companies again are taking crypto. So knowing how to make that work and make, I mean, the thing is obviously now that they're getting uh, APIs for uh, Coinbase commerce, which is super nice. So it can just mm. connect to your account essentially. Yeah. But again, for those that don't know how to just send, open up MetaMask and send, copy and paste someone else's wallet. Oh, I need to send this to here. And it's like, oh, I need to have this much money for a gas fee as well, which those that may not know, it's like, what is that? It's like, yeah, there's external fees as well that are added on top of the actual transaction that you have to have enough of. And sometimes the network is a little bit congested and you don't have enough. Yeah. It's like, what? Well, it's so, great too. I think I think what you're doing because I didn't even I didn't look into it before this. I saw the Instagram, but what you're doing at Cashflow is it's important because there's such a massive lack of education in this space, and people are literally jumping in just to try to get rich quick, and they're losing everything. and 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 it's really it honestly hurts the industry more than it helps it when when someone comes in fresh and bare, and the first thing they're doing is buying you know, a one ETH NFT picture of a, of a zombie monkey. Like that will, that is so bad for the industry. And we already saw the effects. I mean, this is what happens when you have so much new retail with no education. Right. Yeah. It's crazy how, I mean, we obviously, when you started, you get people that just like on our Instagrams, just regular people. But as you started growing cash flow crypto, and it's not like massive community by any means, um, but it's those people that are invested and actually want to learn about this. It's like, I have people in there that have brought their parents, their grandparents, and they're in here learning and understanding how to actually exchange coins. And it's funny. It's really, really funny because I had one of someone's grandparent come and it's like, oh, yeah, um, and you, you probably know about this. Um, but he's like, yeah, I looked into this coin and looked into the gaming tokens and I bought a bunch of this Vulcan Forge. And uh, this was a – he's like, I bought it pretty low and right now it's, it's – it's, it's, and he made he made a lot of money in Vulcan Forge because in that like every single Monday I'll have like a, a topic where I'll kind of go over like a Monday it's a Monday evening uh, market update and I'll say this is what I'm looking at this is kind of what happened over the weekend um, this is what I'm thinking is going to happen over the week there's something happening over the week this is what's happening on these days check into this maybe something's happening here and then kind of let things go on its way and like yeah. that's kind of what happens and everybody kind of looks into their stuff kind of brings something to the table on Monday then it's like. Yeah, he brought that. And he's like, "Yeah, I made made X on this," and I was like, <laughs> hey. "How old are you again?" Like, that's awesome. That's hey, Vulcan awesome. Forge. Uh, shout out Vulcan Forge. I don't, I don't 
own any or anything like that, but I have seen Alex Becker. I think Alex Becker is an early investor in, in Vulcan Forge, and I've seen the Vulcan Verse. Looks like a pretty sick game. It looks like they're building some like MMO style marketplace game. I think the problem too with these games is that they're so far behind uh, Web two games right now, like in terms of replayability and, and fun and com- competitiveness. Well, graphics right now are just not even there either. Is the thing. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like it, if it's not high higher quality or up to Xbox or PS five standard right now too. Like, yeah. How's it going to catch up to you know the War Zones and Apex Legends and Fortnite's yeah. of the of the it's world right like, now? It's just not, it's not there yet is the thing. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, they're on their way, but how much further into the future is that going to be till they get to that level? And that's why, not financial advice, that I dedicate such a small percentage of my portfolio to the games of the world. Because I really do, I believe in a lot of these early, 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 early stage games uh, that are coming out. But when you understand that games like, like I've said, I've said this on prior podcasts, like GTA, taking like a decade to come out with games. These games can't come out in a year and produce a good enough product that's going to make it in the market. You know what I mean? And, and a game's main selling point can't be crypto, as we once again have seen. Nope. Nope. And it's the same thing with uh, the NFTs too, though. It's like there has to be utility. There has to be something behind it. Like there needs to be more that can be brought to the table. Otherwise, what is the purpose? Why are we getting people in? And if there's nothing there on it, other than, oh, you're in a club. I mean, you are. It, it, it's, it's true. It's kind of ruining crypto in a way because yeah. there's nothing there that's beneficial. You yeah. need something that's going to benefit the people that invested into your platform. Exactly. There, there's people that, again, there's yeah, Logan Paul. You got other people who are big influencers who are, I mean, they've scammed. I don't know how many projects. You got uh, Floyd Mayweather. I don't know how many he has. Uh, he's on oh now. God. Every other month, there's a new Floyd yeah. verse, Floyd this, Floyd that. I'm like, are you? How is he getting away with this? Well, do, yeah, it's like people are still investing. It's like, what's different here, people? Like, you're still getting millions of dollars each time. It's like, please yeah. learn. I was actually just uh, listening or slash watching this video called the, the. It was about the CS:GO scams back in the day, and how how and I was just watching it, and I was appalled at how related it was to the current day NFT scene. That's and people so- were just copy and pasting CSGO gambling websites and just doing it over and over and over because if people on retail can make money from it, they're going to join and they don't really care if it's a scam. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny you say that because I've talked about that with a couple of the people in the community too. And it's like the people that were in with CSGO way back then are actually really involved in the crypto community now. Yeah. Really involved. And we're not going to name drop, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's Super. it's crazy because and it, and you know it's crazy. I sent it to to my good friend Don Vo. I sent him the video and I was like, it's crazy how much of the problems with the CSGO uh, scams in the marketplace and everything could have actually been fixed by the blockchain. And I was like, if it was looking at it, I, re- I remember one of the things they said is that some of these uh, companies were changing the odds on the skins you could get with the cases so that yep. they would make more money. Uh, they were taking massive percentage royalties. I'm like, with the blockchain, you can take, you can make it provably, uh, provably fair and provably rare using smart contracts, VRF oh. chain link, and all that. You could also make the royalties locked in at a very low, like two, three, four, five percent. Like, there's so much that it fixes. But once yeah. again, when scams are winning so big right now, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna hit the mainstream. Yeah, I was gonna say, I want to say that last year the crypto scams came out to. Um, 
it was it was like five point eight billion dollars or something like that oh, in crypto. That's that's insane. what it came out to. So it's just yeah. like, but and then, and then someone compared it to um, the credit card fees and overdraft fees in banks. Yeah, and that was like seventy five billion dollars a year. So that, oh. like, well. Don't worry, we're not we're not on the bank's level yet. Yeah, we're, like, we need a, we need at least ten times more scams before we can become mainstream. <laughs> <laughs> I just laugh. It's like wow. I mean, that is a perspective too. You gotta look look at it too. So. Well, that just kind of shows the age of Web three and crypto. Like we're still, it's so it sounds cliche. We're so early. I think we're at, we're probably a decade away from true mainstream adoption. But we've made yeah. so there's so much progress. I mean, if you if we do we do probably need regulation with the way it's looking. With the amount of people doing scams and getting away with it, it's it's a little bit sickening. <laughs> well, here's the thing: if if they're getting away with it right now, and we have this much people out there that are actually involved in crypto, what happens when the masses actually come in? Yeah, like that. That's when massive liquidity in the world is wiped out. Is the yeah, thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. what's gonna? I mean. If you think about it, what is what could regulation even do? Because if you look at the CSGO scams, these guys are just making offshore LLCs in Antigua sure. and in Mexico and all these places. Yeah. Regulation is not going to stop that. It's, I mean, look at they're doing it right now with Stake, yeah. Stake.com and all these other places. I'm going to get banned yeah. for this podcast probably. <laughs> they're doing right. it right now with Stake and all of these other, yeah, with all these online casinos. They're just going to other countries <laughs> and doing the same thing. Because, yeah, I mean, that's what they're getting away with. And you're able to is the thing. Like, that's the loophole. And somehow, some way, we're able to do it. So, yeah. So, what do you guys, so what do you guys over at, at Cashflow still think about um, DeFi? Do you see the positive use case that it has in the current financial sphere? Yes, we do. But the thing is, is it, as you've known or as you've seen in the last six months or four, six months now, it was just so unsustainable. And, because of the promises that it was given. I mean, if you look at all these different crazy uh, opportunities that came out that were also scams, a lot of them were scams. Um, really, I mean, you can't promise a six-figure APY. You can't promise a five-figure APY. You can barely promise a four-figure APY. I mean, three figures, you're like, still two figures, you're like, okay, now we're talking about like Anchor Protocol, which is like, mm, we know how that went. And... <laughs> Then you come down to less than that, which is like the 10%, 8% region. You're like, okay, well, much more reasonable. But then people have, people are seeing that and they're seeing other opportunities out there. And that's when the greed factor comes in. And people are always like, well, if this can give me 100% or 100,000% APY, why wouldn't I put my money in here? I said, because it's a Ponzi scheme. And whoever yeah. put their money in first is going to benefit. And those that are going to put their money in later is exit liquidity. It's all that is, essentially. But yeah. I get it. Like some people want to risk it for the biscuit. Like, yeah. you know, don't get me wrong. You can make money upon the scheme. So I'm not going to tell you to put your money in it. Yeah. So, but at the same time, it's just like there, there is good utility. There is good use case of DeFi. And the thing with crypto, again, the whole point of crypto is just decentralization. We don't want to include the banks. Is we want to be able to move our money where we want to move our money at any time. And at any point and quickly Don't ask questions. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like, I'm actually like just this morning, I was trying to like withdraw some money from, um, crypto.com into my MetaMask actually, just like moving some funds there. And there's a 
I mean, there's a uh, SMS 2FA and the regular Google Authenticator um, uh, 2FA as well. And I try to use both of those, and they both won't work today. They want you to scan your face. They want you to put in three authentication codes, and then they want you to do a handstand. And then maybe if you are lucky, we'll give you your money in an hour. Like, dude, I was looking for 500 bucks. Like, that's all I'm looking to, like, move. It's like, I can go to the ATM and pull up 500 bucks there. Like, that's, the banks are less of the cost yeah. at that point right there. Like, that's, that's, what, and that's what needs to be changed there. So, I do see, again, DeFi being a big thing, but there's a lot of things that need to be changed to make it as safe, really, honestly. And that, that's kind of the biggest factor yeah. of DeFi is just the safety factors where can the funds be housed and not be hacked? Because as yeah. we know, there's a lot of that going around. A lot of hacking. And then there's also the case of taking loans out on top of capital. Yeah. That was a huge, huge space and a huge thing that happened in the last basically year that, uh, as we know, in the last basically month has gone a huge domino effect downhill. Yeah. Big time. So it's a... Uh, Again, there's a lot that needs to be ha- and there's a lot that needs to happen in the space, but I still see and I still believe in what we're actually going to come of it. So yeah, well, it seems that below and, and ev- this is every asset of uh, facet of crypto. If you look at so if you look at crypto crypto property commodity, I'm th- I'm talking Bitcoin, and then you look at blockchains, and you look at NFTs, and then you look at DeFi, and you look at all of these different layers of these are the different layers of crypto. They all seem to have really really good um, use cases and intentions at the, at the bottom, the bottom line, but there's so much scamming, laundering, scheming, negativity, uh, need for regulation, all just layered on top of it. Yeah. And that's why we're so far away from anything good coming out of any of it. It's the truth. But I mean, where did, where did crypto start? Where did most people hear about it? Oh yeah. That's what I'm saying. Silk Road is where most yeah. people honestly heard of crypto their first time. Hey, yeah. well, Silk Road dealing with black market dark We've come market. a long way i mean bitcoin was so, used for selling and buying drugs on the dark web and yeah. being it was it was worth a dollar a cent and now it's worth you know it's people are using it as a hedge against inflation so i mean we're, we're at a pretty we're at a pretty good spot after a decade or so <laughs> yeah but i think we've got a couple more decades before we get like that true you know maybe maybe a decade it depends because now they're saying they have the bitcoin etf yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, well, really, I think we're going to see even earlier than that, honestly, just because of where we are in the macro of the world today, too. So yeah. with this uh, quarter two coming to an end here uh, this week on Friday, we're going to see the GDP probably close at another negative yeah. uh, this quarter. And that means two quarters in a row, no bueno. Uh, yeah. That means recession's coming, which most of us can already kind of assume is on, is on the board. So. Um, but that being said, yeah, that, that's going to be an impacting factor on USD and cash itself. And it's like, so how is crypto going to be in effect with that? Is that value digitally going to be affected too with cash value of USD potentially being affected? I'm just looking at the bigger side of it or the bigger perspective, but we've seen some coins in the crypto market depeg from stable coins. Yes. So what's to say that? The U.S. dollar won't depeg itself, or so. Yeah. Well, here's the yeah. here's the the thought process I have, and this mostly comes from being a specifically a gold trader on the FX side. Is I look at 
gold and I look at why wasn't why hasn't gold been going up with inflation being so high? And you can talk about all the different manipulations, and I I obviously think it's manipulated. It has to be. Um, or you could say retail just doesn't see it as a hedge against inflation anymore, and it's now a risk on asset. Whereas for the past you know, generation, it's been a risk off yeah. asset. Um, right. So I the, the way crypto looks right now is Bitcoin and ETH and all of crypto is it's heavily correlated to tech stocks, and I'm waiting for Bitcoin to overtake or anything to overtake that safe haven um, antithesis to the United States dollar. Because once Bitcoin becomes the hedge against inflation, it should be going up when, when USD is going down, yes? Yeah. But right now, it seems that if the economy and the USD is going down, gold's going down, Bitcoin's going down. So what's going up? Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Where are people hiding their money? Under their mattress? Or everyone's just dying and losing all their money? So, which it seems to be that. That's a good point. I mean, I, I trade gold as well. That's kind of my main coin as well. And it's just... It's very interesting that you say that because I, I guess I didn't really think of that bigger perspective because, I mean, I've, I've noticed it down too and I'm just like, why is it even, why yeah. is it over 2000? Is my kind of my question where we are, honestly, and it should be. Well, if you, if, if you want my opinion, which I'm going to give because I know most of my audience is traders, um, you had gold when the war started the news go above 2000 for a few days and then just slowly trickle down ever since. And Russia changed to the gold standard to basically repeg the Russian ruble back to reality. Um, so now if you think about it, if who, who controls the price of gold? Okay, well, the big banks and the big funds, right? right? Who would benefit or who would not benefit from Russia being rich and the price of gold going up the past 2000? The big banks and the big funds. So why would the big banks and the big funds buy gold as a hedge against the dollar if they're also in turn going to make Russia rich? Right. And, and in turn, Russia would also be China and, and, and Korea. And you know what I mean? So you really think of the two world superpowers, exactly. the United States, and it's that conglomerate over East. So who benefits from gold going up? Not us. So that's, that's in my opinion, that's why gold's not going up. That's a good perspective. I didn't think about it, actually. And I did know kind of somewhat about the Russian side of things there, but that's, I didn't think about that. So yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, that makes, I mean, definitely makes sense. And that would make sense because, again, institutions can only make so much money, too, off of it. I mean, if they're trading, too, I mean, still, like, yes, they can make money. But, yeah, no, that's a very good point. Well, very the beauty good. of being a trader is if we're intraday, it doesn't really matter if gold goes above 2000 because right. I'm not buying I'm not buying 20 million pounds of gold. I'm just in and out on a derivative. Exactly. Um, but this this just raises the question, what's going to be the new hedge against inflation, what's going to be the new safe haven? Is it going to be the yen? Is it going to be, are we going to make a treaty? Is it going to be Bitcoin? Are we going to add regulation in a Bitcoin ETF? Right. You no. Know, signs are pointing towards it being Bitcoin. And I'll tell you why, because I, th I think I saw recently, they just opened up a, basically now traditional and retail investors are allowed to short Bitcoin for the first time. Why would they allow people to all of a sudden short Bitcoin after Bitcoin went down 80%? It's because they want to eat the liquidity and bring it back up right. and add regulation. And, and so I, I think Bitcoin is on its well on its way to being a regulated uh, inflation hedge asset. I think it has to be at some point. I don't know when that is, but at some point it will for sure. For yeah. sure. It will. Well, well you, another thing is what's stopping the United States from just, you know, having the USD coin be their main new fiat currency. And that could, potentially hurt Bitcoin a lot. So. so 
So correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't USDC coin backed by or um, BlackRock? I guess. I, I'm not 100% educated on USDC. So I believe USDC coin is, is backed by BlackRock. But you can fact check me and tell me I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Um, 100% on that, but I believe that's, that is, um, so that's a coin that, I mean, if anything, if you're looking at other coins to kind of hold, that's one that I am personally, because yeah. I mean, I don't think that BlackRock wants anything to happen to their funds. So, and do you have a, uh, a shameless plug of a place where you do you stake your USDC for APY somewhere? You know, that's a great question. I do not just hold currently, it. Currently I'm holding it because I don't want it on any exchanges. I don't want it anywhere. Do you have PTSD uh, from Anchor Protocol? Oh, oh big time. <laughs> big time. So, yeah, I, I personally actually didn't lose anything on Anchor Protocol, uh, which is super nice, but I lost uh, lost a good leg basically on Luna. So it was, a, it, was, it was a painful experience as I was watching it go down, and I was like, oh, I can sell here still make money. I can still sell here. Yeah, I can yeah. Still yeah. Like, oh. Well, I probably said that 12 times, and then I saw it go underneath my buy – buy zone and I'm like wow this is worse fun. than expected <laughs> <laughs> not what I was expecting yeah and, if uh, you guys want to hear more about the Luna thing you could check out the episode with Matthew Tabelli we talked about the ins and outs of algorithmic stable coins and Luna going to zero and I don't even want to talk about Luna 2.0 no which is... <laughs> no out out no thanks That's so, well, yeah, if you think yeah. about it if you're not staking USDC you're making uh, 8% a year because you're not getting inflated. Yeah. So I, I think you're winning, kind of. Technically, in a way. You could in say. A, in a, yeah. In a, yeah. That's what I want to do is like, I'm just, I'm holding out on a lot of that, honestly. It's just the coins right now, you have to, obviously right now you can DCA, but at the same time, I, I think we're still going lower in, yeah. in certain aspects. So I mean, yeah. yes, still DCA right now is like fine, but like don't drop yeah. the bag. I just started my uh, my DCA journey. And I know uh, a lot of you guys were, I was going to do a solo episode and talk about it, but a lot of the people were like, oh, what's your, what are you doing with crypto? Because I had infamously sold all my crypto in early May when the monthly candle just closed Mega Bear. And oh, I was like, all right, it's going. That was like 2,800 ETH, which wasn't, wasn't the top. But it wasn't the bottom. Still, <laughs> it wasn't the bottom. Still yeah. And I, and I liquidated most, pretty much all my NFTs. It was, it was a good time for me. Um, but I am, I am DCAing at the moment, you know, Bitcoin. And mostly Bitcoin and a little bit of ETH and Matic and games, games, game gamble coins. There was uh, something that I saw and I have to look into more um, recently, but I saw something about uh, Cosmos and Zcash becoming a much bigger thing uh, coming up here. So uh, looking at on Cosmos, man, my PTSD on Cosmos. Dude. Yeah. It's... They had that uh, big Cosmo airdrop meta that I, unfortunately caught the, the back end of but if you caught the early end of cosmos and we're like on their chain and getting all these airdrops it was juno and osmosis and yeah. all of these airdrops you were just making a free bag and i staked of course i staked the end of the airdrops in the top of the coin and lost all that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i uh i was fortunate and i shared with my community all that stuff in casual crypto um so my community we benefited from uh, osmosis the airdrops yeah so yeah, it was it was fun. Definitely definitely worth it. So yes, some people obviously lost lost their bags too at the very end of it uh, for holding in. But I will say that the airdrops were plentiful enough to uh, outweigh some things. So <laughs> it was good. It's definitely very very good. So 
That's great. And so, so now, so back to right, real life and not scam life. Um, <laughs> not fine. Back to real life. So do you have, so now you're the president of digital marketing, you know, you've sold majority of your original agency. You still are in the crypto side. What does a day look like for president Dane Bauman? Do you, what's your morning routine? What's your daily routine? Well, it's a uh, busy day. Um, wake up, wake up at a good six thirty in the morning, usually right on the dot. I'm a person that I know my numbers where I need to be at the right time. And it takes me literally like 11 minutes to probably get out of my house generally, which, and I can get to the gym basically right, right before, uh, seven o'clock essentially. So, uh, I'm out at the gym from seven o'clock to eight o'clock. Usually you've been um, putting on I, muscle, man. It's, uh, you were, it's, you, it's were you were small back in the day. It's, now you've was, been uh, ripping the gym. Little, yeah, I was a little bit. Uh, I mean, if you turn sideways, maybe see me. But yeah, <laughs> no, that was the joke. But um, yeah, no, it, it's been good for me. The gym journey has been great. Um, definitely boosted some confidence too, and uh, helped me in the journey of selling as well. I will say, but um, yeah, it, I mean, gym for a good hour in the morning, then get right back into everything at basically eight eight thirty. Um, usually I'm trading in the morning as well from generally like market open. Um, that's what I like to do. I don't really like to sit around for too much of the day. So I usually play market open and then I'm done. So is that, um, so when you say market open, is that the NY open at eight? Is that the Comex open or is that NYSC? Is that all three? Eight. Eight. Eight, eight o'clock. Yeah. Okay. So usually that's the time that I try, I try to be back from the gym and everything about that time. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be sc- scoping a trade before I get home. Um, but, uh, yeah, I generally try and be home by that time. And, um, that's kind of with, um, uh, B capital. I try to spend like the first like half hour of the day kind of in that. Um, and that's another thing that, again, that I just recently started. Um, that's been a really fun journey as well. Um, we're basically right now I'm, I'm working with some, uh, some partners at the moment where, um, we're able to pass prop firm accounts basically pretty, pretty easily. Um, yeah. Funded three hundred thousand dollar account, a one hundred thousand dollar account, fifty k account. Is that um, all FTMO or is that uh? It is MFF? my forex funds. Is where it is. MFF, yeah. Yep. Okay. So, um, and I've <laughs> funny thing is, is it is completely hands free. Um, yep. there is EAs that are able to pass them that we've been working very successfully on, and they've passed one hundred percent success rate at this point. Um. And very flawlessly, it's been basically within less than three days. That you Amazing. And uh, for those that are traders, again, it's just like, it's a dream because yeah. it doesn't want 100K or 300K, that's not your money. OPM strategy is pretty damn awesome. Pretty damn great, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I mean, the only thing is that I'm trying to work on now is also using EAs to an certain extent that we can potentially throw on the, uh, the accounts. But with live servers, it's a little bit more difficult to do so. Um, but it's, uh, it's still looking pretty good. So it's been fun. It's been really fun. That's great. I'm bringing so that you, to the table. So you're market open at eight. And then I guess after your 8am candle, you're like, <laughs> all right, I have to go be a real person. Basically I become the marketer then at that point. So I'm trading in the morning, you know, for a good half hour, hour, talk to the group, make sure everything is good to go. Everybody's making money. And then after that, hop on over to being a marketer for basically the rest of the day up until kind of into the e- the PM where cash flow crypto takes over. So it's a uh, kind of the whole day there, the whole loop. So listen, guys, this guy comes on. He looks at one time frame. He looks at eight a.m. One open, 
and then he goes and be a real human. Because I, I know everybody listening right now in my small devious community is on the charts from three in the morning to three in the afternoon, like absolute psychopaths, all over traders, every nope. single one of them. Oh, insane. You look at the charts, you're there for... My goal is to be in, out within 15 to 30 minutes, and I'm done looking at the charts the rest of the day. <laughs> done. It's like, I have a good risk-reward ratio. I'll make it. I don't. Life goes on. I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. Is just one trade a day? Yep. Generally. If, if that. If that. If that. If yeah. I need to. Sometimes I might. You never know if I, if I know what's coming. Sometimes I'll throw a little extra leverage out there. Double guys. Up. Take that but, one to heart, listeners, because I just know... 80, 80 to 90% of my listeners are traders, and I know that they're looking at that, and they're like, man, I got to trade from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and we're catching everything in every pair. But, hey, I did start, again, around the same time as you back in the day, back in yeah. March 2018, but yeah. at the same time, you took the journey of this for a lot longer, and I yeah. did not, and I still, again, kind of figured out my own path and what works for me. So, But that's yeah. the biggest thing is what, what works for you is what you need to kind of develop and make it pattern of and make something that you know is something you can stand behind and actually, again, have a risk reward ratio, know what you need to get, know what you need to get in and get out, and then get off the charts. <laughs> exactly. The charts. Run for the hills. Go do something with your more. life. You touch grass. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, go outside and feel some sun because, yeah, yeah, definitely need to do that. So. Listen, man, I appreciate all of this knowledge. You're a man of many trades. You've, you know, FX, gold, you've got crypto in your blood, DeFi, marketing came up with me back in the day. I appreciate you coming on, man. Of course. I appreciate you, my friend.